Good evening to all, and welcome to the Shatter After's official companion podcast to HBO's The Last of Us, where we seek the arc beyond the clickers. How is everybody doing out there? I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan, and I am accompanied by the Beyond the Clickers crew, Mr. Britmer. I'm the QZ cutie. I just saw that it says cutie. And <laughs> the one and only Mike Thomas. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm the resident mycologist, you know, the expert on all things fungi related. So if you have any questions regarding clickers, runners, bloaters, just throw them my way. <laughs> and of course, as, as one of your hosts, I'm Will Livingston's editor. And if you're able to catch that reference, I salute you. <laughs> we're back we're excited it is tuesday night as you know in on in the shadow Raptors channel tuesday night means we talk hbo's the last of us this is a three-part show first we'll talk some news we'll talk some highlights we'll get our first impressions of the show then we'll dig into the episode and talk about the evolution the adaptation talk of the show in and of itself and at the end because we will never forget our fellow gamers out there we'll go ahead and talk about of all the easter eggs that are pound for pound, taken and stayed and survived the adaptation from the game. So, guys, this episode, I would say, is the most accurate in terms of how it plays out in comparison to the others that had a lot, had a lot of more freedom or chose to use a lot of more freedom to prepare us for the world that we're going into in The Last of Us. Um, a lot of things happens, a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of I love a great setup for what's coming up, in, according to the preview, which was amazing, which we're going to talk about the preview of episode five. Um, but we're going to start with some couple news articles. Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk about a little bit about some news that we saw and some fun stuff that occurred over the weekend that, I don't know, we, we have to talk about it. There's no reason why not to. Yeah. <laughs> now, the first one is kind of a joke news tweet that, might share with us on the on the uh, beyond the clickers chat that we found pretty amusing. Apparently, for some reason, the Wall Street Journal, which is a very trusted news source, chose the season where The Last of Us is showing on HBO to talk about. Oh, just so you know, there's dangerous fungus that are evolving, and <laughs> it's a virus, and it's. It's a, it's a fungal virus. It causes valley fever. It's kind of dangerous. And uh, yeah, we got to watch out. <laughs> Just so you know, the thing that they talk about in the show is actually happening. <laughs> I, I love mean, the timing, though. They waited for episode two to air. And it's like, yes. yeah, don't worry. It's not going to evolve past this certain point. And they're just like, oh, actually... <laughs> Actually, it actually it might it might it might get that bad. It like actually look like a few more years, years. and, and we'll you see. have the uh, exactly the apocalypse. <laughs> so guys, um, stop buying pancakes, stop yeah. buying cake mix. It's uh, it's all about Shaveboridi people. Nobody, I don't think we could have ever believed that Shaveboridi was going to save the food industry. And I think it's uh, it's time to go back. We got to go back Shaveboridi and Capri Suns. <laughs> Did oh, wait, not what, watch um, vitamin C, Sunny D, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, those were the days. So, yeah, just figure <laughs> I share with you guys. Let us know what you think. I mean, I didn't read the full article, but I think reading this is enough. Look at the headline. The headline literally says, dangerous fungi are spreading across U.S. as temperatures rises. Like, 
even the key words in that headline are meant to trigger people watching The Last of Us after the episode where the mycologist went, bomb. Yeah. <laughs> like, They're in our homes. They're everywhere. Yes. <laughs> She's like, there are no vaccines. <laughs> there is no cure. Bomb, everybody. <laughs> so one of these days, we're going to look in the past and go, the Wall Street Journal knew it all. It wasn't the Simpsons. It was the Wall Street Journal. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, off to some real news that we care about. Um, pound for pound, every single episode of The Last of Us has got increasing viewership, according to an article on Collider, which, again, this is just phenomenal. Another new high. It keeps climbing and climbing. Steve Buscemi numbers. Wait a minute. These are Brian Cranston numbers, damn it. <laughs> Better Call Saul, what's the name? Um, Bob Oderick? <laughs> Odenkirk? <laughs> it's happening. Um, in this, uh, reading the article here, for those who are abreast with all things television, it is no surprise that HBO's The Last of Us is one of the most beloved shows at the moment. And just like the contagious cordyceps fungus that has ravaged the continental U.S. and the rest of the world on screen, the love for the series continues to grow rapidly. According to Variety, viewership. For the show's latest episode comes in at 7.5 million viewers. This is a 17% increase on the 6.4 million viewers who watched the previous episode live. So we're talking Sunday numbers, pe Sunday's numbers people. We're not talking rewatches. We're talking premiere numbers, just Sundays. So that number is steadily continuing to rise as, as people come back to the show, come back to the episodes and watch it. And interestingly enough, um, this episode didn't have to do the heavy lifting that the first episodes had to do. So I think this is where the heavy lifting on the previous episodes pays off because we actually just care about where the story is moving forward. So even in this episode that some might say is maybe light or fair in comparison to the others, we're still so invested that we're just going to keep coming back. I mean... Like literally, this is a dream for us, right? Like, like when you when you saw this, Brett, like we've seen this week after week after week. We're almost halfway through the season. And the pre according to the preview of the next episode, it's probably gonna be the biggest episode in the season so far in, in terms yeah. of scope. Like, it's crazy, bro. It's it's wild to me, like that like every week the viewership has gone up. Like, and you know, I think um Episode three, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't able to join you guys last week, but I, I think that, um, you know, had a lot to do with it because there was a lot of just word of mouth and people recording reactions to it. And uh, Nick Offerman was on Jimmy Kimmel. And, you know, uh, I think um, Murray Bartlett also showed up on uh, Kimmel or one of the other talk shows. Um, so, like, they, they had all press during that week. So I think, like, the word of mouth started getting to other people and everyone's like, Oh, let me catch up, watch the three episodes. And then they jump, you know, they, they caught up and are into this now. So um, whoever's running like PR and marketing for this. And uh, I, I think they're, they're crushing it right now. They're doing the right thing. And, and yeah. I mean, listen, it helps that the show is good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> yes. Um, I also find it just yeah. real quick, very funny. There's that little sub sub headline under, you know, that we have on the screen. Now it brings in even more new viewers despite airing during the 2023 Grammy awards. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure all the award shows audience have been declining year after year for like the last five or six years. So I'm like, I don't know if that's like a high bar. 
<laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Who the, you know, watch. I can watch the Grammys and just see a bunch of nonsense, or I could watch like this an incredible show. And um, you know, I'm gonna uh, go with the show. <laughs> oh my god! And and just real quick. Oh my god, that yeah. episode three, man. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh let's take a minute, god. Brett. We didn't get a chance to hear your thoughts. Let's take a minute. Let's talk about it. You when you watch episode three, let's give him a solo shot, Mike. Um, <laughs> episode three, your thoughts. Give us. Get take two minutes. Tell us. You saw it. Hop on the soapbox. Yeah. You see it on Sunday. When did you see it? So I saw it on Sunday Oops. as it aired, um, and uh, you know it was. I'm sure I'm not going to say anything that no one, like other people, haven't said already. It was yeah. like one of the most just heartbreaking, uh, well acted, um, well written episodes of television that I have ever seen. Like the fact that, it, I mean, it was like an hour and twenty minutes. I think we had a, it was a pretty nice, uh, you know, chunk, but the pacing was perfect and like you know, such a, a, a detour, uh, you know, from the game because this is backstory that that we don't get. And even it's a little different than some of the backstory we do get in the game. So, um, but the fact that they were able to flesh out these two characters, one of which we never even, you know, see see alive in the game and develop them in such a way and make me care about them in that time frame, And then just absolutely rip my heart out. (laughs) Like my, uh, you know, my wife was like, you know, also watched it with me. She's been watching every episode and she was like, oh my God. And then she was like, I w- it was the day before I left to go on my work trip. So she was like, she's like, I was upset all week because I was just thinking about that episode. And like, <laughs> God forbid losing you and stuff. And like, yeah, man, it, it just hit. And then like, I was just watching everything I could on it. Like people's reactions that everyone else was saying. And, you know, um, you know, you got some, you know, idiots out there that, you know, just shitting on the episode because, you know. Uh, but, you know, I think for the most right. part, like people were able to just like, you know, yeah, it, it was it was a you know non traditional love story, and I give the the um the writers and the producers and the showrunners and directors everyone you know involved credit for like having the balls uh, to do that. I think it was a ballsy episode, and it it was just it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean both the perform I mean the performances were like wow. That was like an acting masterclass, you know, from yes. both of them. So 100%. that's my thoughts. That, that was that was just incredible, incredible television. Um, and it's funny too, because like that was that was dangerous. It's it's early on in the season, you know, to have like kind of like what we would call like a bottle episode where it's just kind of mm-hmm. locked in, and we're pretty much ditches like our you know protagonists like for pretty much the entire runtime. I mean, what are the, what what screen time do they have in there? Maybe like ten minutes. Like I think literally like like seventy minutes of it was just with like Bill and um and uh frank and uh yeah wow just uh, it's it's amazing how they were able to do that and I, and I can't wait like i'm it makes me so much more excited for what's coming because i know there's going to be now i'm like cool they are going to take some chances and really just like give us stuff that i'm not familiar with or that is different than what i know from the game and that makes it more exciting i, I know there's there's that uh, there's a contingent uh, of people out there that like i just want a shot for shot ad- adaption and right. Maybe there is something to that, you know, like there, there is something, you know, cool to that, you know, I guess play the hits. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, it makes me think of something like, you know, uh, like the Lion King remake that they had recently, like where it was literally just a shot for shot remake. And I mean, while people, like, you know, I'm sure I know it was amazing visually and I know a lot of people enjoyed it and it's just, you know, the nostalgia factor. But like for the most part, like a lot of the, the, the um, you know, uh, 
talk around that was that like it was boring it was shot for shot like what was the point of there doing wasn't, it there wasn't anything new yeah there right. wasn't anything new so like and and, and so far you know uh, nothing that they've changed or done that is new has like bothered me or irked me in in any way i'm listen i'm sure it has for some people but for me it hasn't and um like i said this episode had the biggest possibility to like you know irk people um but yeah it, it for me it did not and it was like totally worth it um and uh you know that that's that's my thoughts and then as a, as a lead in back into this episode where we really get right back in uh, i think it works great i think I, I think especially when if you were one of those people that maybe were a little you know put off by it or just like kind of were like why is this episode here it doesn't really move you know the plot along so to speak i think you know when the series is done and we see all i think it's 10 episodes we're gonna have once we get yeah. there and then you look back on it i think you're really gonna see how special that episode was and how it like you know how it it fit in and and, and was and, and kind of earned its spot amongst those those 10 episodes so yeah that's yeah, my like, my quick thoughts <laughs> no and and, and i and I, I think it all goes down to what you said like they had the balls to to make that decision to do this thing because it's like anything one of the things that they talked about like you know they do always with hbo shows right they do the uh into the episode at the end right one right. of the things that they mentioned there is is the fact that um if something is will it's if, if something if we try to do something different but it ends up being horrible then we stick exactly to how it's in the game but if we start developing something and it looks like it's going to be better it's going to elevate the story the themes because it's not just about it's like you said with adaptions and adaptations i mean a lot of people think that what's going to make a successful adaptation is playing the hits right is doing all the things that we expect it to do but there's such a thing as making it work within the medium you know to experience new things and especially when you go from yeah. video game to television right you can't experience the same things via television like you're doing them now, right? There's there's no way that you can do that and experience that that way because they are doing all the right things, because they are taking chances and concentrating on the main themes of the show, of motivation to the characters. Um, I think that's what's keeping the interest going because yeah. it's funny because one of the things that's even more apparent now than it was in the game. Because in the game, of course, um, you have Joel and Ellie in the center, and then you have, like, different couple of characters, right? Like, you, you know that it was, you know, it was Sam and Henry, and, and, and which we talk a little bit about because we find them in the show at the end. Um, but there wasn't really that much of comparison in terms of these two group of people. They've made it a point to show us what Joel and Sarah looks like what Joel and Tess looks like, what Ellie and Marlene look like, what, what Ellie and Joel look like without Tess, what Bill and Frank look like, and the idea of using those paradigms of comparing those sets of characters to tell the same theme, that's right. actually what's keeping me invested. Yeah. It's about the relationships. Right. It's all about the relationships in this, in this world. And uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, we got to look at so many and um, – I'm sure I've made this. I feel like I've, I've actually <laughs> made this uh, analogy before, um, maybe in one of the earlier episodes or, or I'm losing my mind. One or the other. <sighs> but like, you know, it's like when you when you go to like right when you go to a concert, um, right. to see a band and it's just, you know, they oh, they sound exactly like the album, which is like great. I'm glad they sound good and they don't suck live, you know, but it's like, 
all right, I could have just listened to the album, you know, in my car and saved money on a ticket. But like, there's, what, there's the fun of going and you get, you know, they jam out a little bit, you know, they, they, the drummer throws a, a different fill in than he uses in the album just to kind of like throw you off, give it a little, a little freshness. And that's what it is. It's like that, uh, you know, it's playing jazz. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. It's funny that yeah. you say that. So I'm going to give you this concert story. Very simple. It, because it really talks about exactly what you're saying. So um, I'm a low-key Iron Maiden fan. Like, I dig <laughs> Iron Maiden, right? So yeah. one of my favorite songs from Iron Maiden is Ace is High. One of my favorite songs, right? Great song. Super metal song, awesome song, awesome lyrics, right? So yeah. me and my girl had the opportunity to go to see him and see him live. So we went to see him live. And what they do stage work-wise, it's ridiculous and it's amazing. And suddenly, I'm like, okay, they didn't play my song. It's okay. But then they come out with an encore. All the lights go off. And then as the, as the opening riff of Aces High starts, these guys have a plane, like a full-on plane, just dangling from the scenery <laughs> while they're playing the song. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> yeah, give us the experience. You know? Exactly. Exactly. So, and, that's uh, awesome. That is good. The Last of Us is the Iron Maiden of Peter <laughs> Yeah, there you go. You heard it here yeah. first, folks. <laughs> yes. Um, Iron Maiden of the. <laughs> so, um, now, enough with news. Let's talk about some fun stuff that happened during the weekend, which I think it ties with what you were mentioning, Brett, earlier about how the people with PR are actually doing a great job. Because not only did you have those great interviews um, after episode three, right? We have Pedro Pascal host Saturday Night Live, which no matter how you feel about the longest running skit show ever, I would say, um, I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. And the fact <laughs> that you have shorts like this one where he's just <laughs> dancing with the clicker promote, like this is ridiculous. But this is the kind of stupid content that gets everybody in that zeitgeist mindset of thinking of the show thinking of that you know and it's and it's fun but then they went a step forward and they did a skit so it's yeah. the best line in that is i need to feel big <laughs> it makes me feel big it is amazing um no yeah, and like notice like the gloves are like a lot bigger than his hands like yeah they, they yeah. nailed that like everything was spot on they used all the sound effects like whoever wrote that is obviously like a big fan because they absolutely nailed it yeah like, <laughs> it, it's just funny because one this is redemption right from the elon musk wario skit and it's like they they, they came back they redeemed themselves but also when they booked pedro pascal you know this is the first skit they wrote because usually they have like a week to get this together yeah but when they saw him on the schedule they're like we've got to make a video game one and yeah. they probably yes, had an extra that. like three or four weeks to get this done and, and mapped out, which is hilarious. It really made no, and, and it's very easy because you got to think about it logistically. They probably did almost everything without him because a few shots that they have with him. Oh, yeah. They probably just did it after. Yeah. So this is like, it's been in the pipeline for a while and it shows. Ah, uh, uh, you, <laughs> you did the thing. Yeah. Oh no, man. This is awesome. It was so good. It was, and the, the idea that they have chance to be delivered to Rainbow Road. Like that's just the yeah. line, right? Like it's he's... Oh, what oh go Mike. Yeah. I was just gonna say it's funny because this would like 
we have so many shows where you have to smuggle people anyway. It's like, of course, why not just give him a third one? The second one where he's got to fight mushrooms. Why not? It's on brand for Pedro Pascal at this point. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 it's just, yes. I was going to say fun, fun little thing on, on my trip. Um, I, don't, I probably didn't tell you guys. So I sell a brand of wine called Casiero del Diablo, which is oh, from yeah. Chile, which is where Pedro Pascal is from. So he's actually the spokesperson for that brand that I sell. So while I was on my trip, um, they did show us. I don't know when it's going to air or where it's going to air. It might be on YouTube, but he shot a new commercial for the wine. And it's great. Like, it's it's really funny. And just, like, seeing this, I'm like, and him dancing with the clicker and stuff like that. Like, Pedro Pascal just seems like such a fun dude. And he's just, like, down for whatever. And yeah. what a, I mean, like, what a career. I mean, like what a, not a career, but, like, yes, a career. But like, yeah. what a run he's had in the last like couple of years. I mean, like Narcos, Game of Thrones, now this, The Mandalorian. Like he's he's everyone and everyone. Wonder Woman eighty four. Wonder Woman eighty four. Cannot forget that he was like <laughs> probably the best part of that movie. And I like that movie. I'm not one of the ones that hate it. So, uh, but he was he was really good in that. And he's he the really, one. He's the one. He was good. Um, but the yeah. movie could have been better. Eh, eh. That, that, that's, that's the joke. <laughs> Move on. <Yes. laughs> No, but yeah, like he he he's in everything and, and everything he's done so good. Yeah. Like it's so funny. I know for a fact that when people saw it, it's like, oh my god, Chris Pratt. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's okay, it's a multiverse. They can all be, you know, they yeah. can have their own universes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, every time Pedro Pascal comes in, he does another chapter of Mario. I'm I'm gonna be that guy and just say Pedro Pascal was better. In this weird, gritty take, I somehow got more Mario energy from him than I have from Chris Pratt so far. Inside joke. I don't know why, but I have a feeling that when Mario, my cousin, saw this, he came out upset because Toad still got destroyed. Yes! What oh, my it? God. He cannot get away from Toad that? just getting, like... Toad always getting murdered. I mean, this gave me strong, like, Mario Brothers 93 vibes in all yeah. the best ways. And yeah. I think they were definitely channeling that. And um, I I, I want to let you know that if they made this movie, I would 100% see it. And <laughs> 1,000% yes. for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be there and I would see it and I would give it an A-plus rating, even if it was bad. <laughs> I'm just going to go on just... Letterboxd to be like, five out of five, cinema. Yeah. That's the review. So, Brett, why did you like it? Because it made me feel big. <laughs> it made me feel big. <laughs> so, moving on. How about we jump into the episode, guys? Um, this was this episode was titled um, "Episode Four: Please Hold to My Hand," which is a line from the song "Alone, Alone and Forsaken" by Hank Williams, which played in the second trailer of The Last of Us. Yes, yeah, and it also played uh, during the trip. Right, um, a lot of I think this is going to be the hardest. Go. Weird music trivia for The Last of Us. So you know, like the last trailer, like the, the third trailer, I think, had uh, Take On Me, right? Yes. It has since been removed, and now it's just generic trailer music, and we do not understand why. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. I don't get it. Maybe they didn't really get the rights, and someone was like, hey, you didn't get the rights. I, I assume so, but also, maybe they're like, we're going to hold on to that for season two now, because it's not really relevant to season one yeah. so, and that's so interesting because they've been using see part two music yeah. in this show yeah which to me it's been like like the end the credits music it was a depeche the mode cover 
yeah, yeah. At the end of this episode yeah 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 it was the was the music from that first or i think it was the second last of us part two trailer like like it was like a huge cinematic trailer with ellie yeah um no spoilers i'm sorry um <laughs> but let's jump into the episode this is going to be one of those episodes that's going to be very hard to not talk about the game because like we mentioned at the beginning it is one of the most faithful episodes game wise um it does start with some original content but it really just goes into that game story from there on out and um the first thing we want to talk about is the opening scene with ellie right we saw at the end of episode three as she's looking around wearing the last of us attire um just like in the cover she finds frank's gun and she has it in her pack and and one of the things that 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 occurs in this episode is that she's been asking for a gun since episode mm-hmm. one, maybe episode one, episode two. She's been episode one actually. She's been asking for a gun. She finally has one. And and one of the things that's very interesting and I think was very brilliant um, as we move further into the episode is that they do a good job of showing the child in Ellie that doesn't understand. What Joel understands, which is the reason why Joel never wanted her to have a gun, the reason why Tess never wanted her to have a gun, um, is that one thing is that dichotomy of what she imagines is going to be she having a gun and the reality of the violence that comes with a gun. Right. And how that impacts what it is to be innocent, what it is to be a child, what, is, what it is to be a growing person, the ability of hurting someone. And, and I love how the episode starts with the scene and how beautifully it, it, it informs what happens later. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel having that first moment of Ellie, like just, just seeing her be herself alone, just being a kid. When you guys saw that, what was your reaction to it? It's, it's so true to life. Like that, that is a 14 year old girl. Yeah. Just, being silly imagine you know having using her imagination you know like i mean like glorifying something she doesn't understand like it sh- it shows her her naivete you know what i mean right. and uh yeah. um great job doing that because obviously like she's gonna undergo a huge transformation i'm sure by the end of the season and uh right. that was just that's just great great writing great directing to like get that on screen and really show that and then you know even from within the like you said you mentioned it already from within the episode you know how we see then and then when stuff goes down um you know it, it that hit much harder because of right. that moment in the beginning you know it's uh it's just this is just great this is this is great stuff <laughs> yes great and character so yeah. and also go ahead mike if you have something no i was just gonna you know add bella ramsey this is just again highlighting why she's great as ellie right um the the first episode we don't meet her until like two quarters of the way through roughly um and then the third episode she's barely in it at all because it's bill and frank's story so I, I really appreciate the simplicity of this opening right because we kind of see that that split of how messed up this world is where she feels the need to have a gun and protect herself and try and be this you know like badass like character because she's seeing that's how joel is that's how tess was that's how marlene is and that is the only way to survive in this world but also Flip of a switch. She's still 14. And I love how yeah. Bella's able to play both sides so well to where you can 
you really understand where Joel's coming from, where he's like talking to her, like, you're not, you have no idea how the world works. You have no idea why or what it, what it means to, to kill someone. Like, even though she later on admits that she has had to do it before, it, she, it still doesn't quite register like the weight of that because she doesn't have the real world experience for it, which I think, again, beautifully captured in these first like 10 minutes of the episode. Yeah. And this is a perfect time uh, for me to mention too. I, I actually, I wanted to blurt this out before we started recording and I was like, Brett, hold yourself back. Um, <laughs> this episode, um, especially, cause I think this is like, really, I feel like the, the most time we really had with Ellie was this episode. This like, she's like yes. in like, like every shot almost. But um, yeah, Bella Ramsey is like totally turning into Ellie for me. Like, and some, in some lighting and the way i look at her like she looks like the character model almost like i don't know she's like she's totally taking on that role and i'm like oh yeah no she's ellie because in the, when, when they first cast her i was just like i hadn't seen game of thrones so i did i was like i don't we know we know brett we know yeah we, we know <laughs> i have to mention it every episode um, it's, i'm contractually obligated to mention that i have not watched game of thrones the ever. check doesn't clear unless he says it guys yeah that's correct. right that's right thank god need, need that need that bank account to go up uh so so like yeah when when she ca was cast i didn't know anything about her i didn't i didn't you know just based on the looks like you know she's got a different look than the character model you know what i mean um like i feel like the character model has maybe like softer features like stuff like that so i was like purely just going off like you know appearance but then and you know and then like you said the first episode we only really saw a little bit of her the second episode we saw her but you know and then third she's not really there and this episode i was like oh my god she's ellie like she, she is like, she totally, she's got it. She nailed it. Um, I, I love her, you know, I love her, like how I loved her in the game. You know, she really yeah. has, has just taken on the role and, and, uh, given it so much depth and, uh, you know, same with Pedro Pascal, but yeah, she's, she's been killing it. She killed it this episode. She had me laughing out loud, like several times. Yo. I mean, it, it helps that the writing is great. You know what I mean? But, uh, she yes. delivered, she got, she has the delivery down on a lot of stuff. Um, yep. You know, like, hold on, it's only my second time in a fucking car. <laughs> like, that's great. She was so good. She was so good. Yes. I love how much, like, yeah, you're right, the writing's good, but there's just so much of Ashley Johnson in that performance, right? Yeah, Where the, yeah. the cadence of her voice and the line delivery is, like, yes. identical, but it's not like she's trying to copy her. Like, yeah. it just feels right. like She's natural, making it her own, right? yes. It's, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And, and I think what I appreciate the most of that opening scene is that you can tell that the writers understand the importance of allowing the audience to understand that this kid is ignorant to the realities of the world. You know, it, it's just because, because again, she was raised in a Fedra orphanage or whatever inside the QZ. She's never been out. Like she really doesn't understand how bad it can really be. And that ignorance is what shows. That's why she plays with the gun. That's why she doesn't take it seriously until she actually pulls the trigger later on. You know, like apart from the lightheartedness, that's part of the character. But I think us being able to be, to see the ignorance in her as a kid it, in, a, in a scene that has no dialogue, and then, of course, you go back to all the conversation you had with Joel. Um, it, it's just great. And like you mentioned, Brett, like this is the first time we spend the much time with Ellie also because when you think about it, this is the episode where Joel and Ellie really begin. 
This is The Last of Us. This is where it begins. Because in the game, um, by the time you get to Bill, you already are you already are the duo of Joel and Ellie, right? You've been you've talked you walked around you walk around the town. You're it's you Ellie and Bill going and doing what you need to do. So that duo that 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 relationship has already been cemented. So by the time you get to the road trip portion, you're just continually to foster that and grow that and nurture that, right? But in the show, because of the great storytelling that they have with other things, this is where it begins. So I love the fact that we spend the first 10 minutes of them just getting acquainted with each other in a way that we've never seen him before. Um, which is why I appreciate the fact that we didn't just go get in the car and get straight to our destination. We actually had a couple of stops along the way. Yeah. We had to siphon gas. And, you know, Ellie got on Joel's nerves. Like, again... I don't know why, but I got a feeling that these are the two people that you want to go on a road trip with. <laughs> As, especially they have a bunch of Bill stuff. <laughs> right, yes. Like, the moment, like, so many things, beat per beat happened. Like, the whole thing with the magazine, which is great. Right. Which, if you guys look at it, um, Easter egg for those that haven't played the game, but still, it's not a, it's not a spoiler. That is the same magazine as the game. Right, yeah. It's the same cover and everything. It's ridiculous how crazy it is. And of it's course... the same car. Like, same it didn't car. Even have, why yeah. would you make the same car? You did not have to get the same truck for, for this shot. Right. But they did it. They, but they yeah. did it. Um, and then that line, literally, Ellie finds a cassette of music, gives it to Joel, and says, hey... Brings you back memories. Joel literally says, Oh, this is before my time, but it's a winner, though. Yeah. The song's not the same, but the dialogue, the idea of if you guys are noticing, Joel is without noticing, he's like letting loose. He's letting Ellie in in comparison to other episodes, right? So, yeah. so like he's finally, it's sinking in that he needs to do this. And, right. I don't know I, I appreciate these quiet moments, especially for all the madness that comes after, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but of course, I do have to say this because I said this on the first episode that we recorded, episode zero, where we talked about the things that we wanted, and I got what I wanted—the smash cut. <laughs> um, not just that, I got <laughs> the smash cut, the Snyder cut. No, um, yeah. I got what I wanted. Oh, no pun intended. By yes. Will Livingston. Oh, I cannot. I, I, I couldn't. I, you, I, my cheeks hurt how much I'm smiling. <laughs> when Ellie literally just goes, you asked for it, and she pops the book out and starts saying the puns. What did the mermaid bring to her math class? An algebra. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, Joel's response, like, Jesus. You can go wait on the car. <laughs> But this is, again, how you know Bella Ramsey is, is a winner, right, in this yes. role. Because that's a so terrible good. pun. It's not particularly funny. It's the but her laughing at the joke makes right. me laugh at the joke. And it's like, oh, she's she's so sweet. And I love how you have that moment. You Since you created that quiet moment while Joel is siphoning the gas, you know, 
again, keeping it grounded, like you said, it's nearly water, blah, blah, blah. Because we introduced it organically here, as she continues to bring pun more puns throughout the episode, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like these two people, like that's Ellie trying to find some type of common ground with Joel. Right. And and, and it's freaking charming. <laughs> it is. It is. The one at the end of the episode, I think within 24 hours, I repeated to people five times yes. in real life. <laughs> yes, that's 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 the one. That's, that's the one. Great. That's the tagline for my Easter eggs article on Collider. If you click on it, like that's the first thing you guys will see. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's there's it's too good. I can't add anything to that. You're just gonna. It's so good. It. It's so good. <laughs> yes. Now we get to Pitts. We get we don't get to Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're not that's a little bit of a change. No Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a little bit of a change. We go to but Kansas City. Diary is Terry. It runs in your jeans. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love my editors. They let me get away with so much nonsense over there. <laughs> yes, that's, 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 that's a good job. Now, I love how not only are they showing Ellie doing her thing, but I love how they're they're really giving us more quiet. Time. I love how much storytelling we're getting of these characters without words. Mm -hmm. Just seeing them do things. We had yeah. that moment with Ellie at the beginning, and then we had a moment with Joel where when they're sleeping in the woods, and you know we get the <laughs> the, the whole scarecrow one outstanding in his field. So yeah. Um, so. When she talks, when she, when, when the little kid comes in and she goes like, but nobody can find us here, right? Like, we're okay, right? Like, we're okay here in the forest. And, and then suddenly Joel, the protector, kicks in. And he doesn't sleep. And he's just stays awake trying to keep an eye out. Which he didn't have to do that. I mean... Not correction. He had to, but he felt he had to. But then it goes back to the fact that he has failed to protect the people entrusted to him so much that he's just in that automatic mode. Right. Well, um, he knows how dangerous this world right. is. He is not he's, Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, he's not naive. She's naive. He knows the horrors of this world and the people, kind of people that are out there. Because, as we also kind of learned in the episode, um, he is one of them, and uh, so that yeah, that 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 was uh, great. You know, that was that was a really interesting, interesting angle to take. With he that. has that an idea really what loss is. Yeah, <laughs> you might oh, say. Got... <laughs> no, I love how you mentioned like like he is one. Um, G Techie in the chat says, "I like how she <laughs> asks what a siphon is." Then proceeds to tell Joe he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because he's like, you know, it's the gravity. And she's like, you have no idea. He's like, well, I know it works. <laughs> Go on. Yes. Yes. So yeah. good. So yeah. good. Um, uh, I like, like you mentioned, Brett, I like the, the idea that he was, he is one. You know, like, I love how, in a way, Joel is the world to Ellie in terms of he knows how bad the world can be because Joel knows how bad he can be. Joel right. knows how far he is willing to go to protect or to do what needs to be done. So I love how, how in this episode, we kind of get a glimpse of that 
when she starts talking about how he met the group with Tess, Tommy, things that they needed to do to survive. The conversation as they're going up the stairs where Ellie goes, "Have did you ever hurt innocent people? And yeah. no words. Like, but you know the answer. Yeah. You know, and the idea that we have to accept that answer, which again, I love, like one day we were talking about, remember, I don't know if Mike, if you remember, we we're talking about Quentin Tarantino movies. And, and one of the things that's brilliant about Quentin Tarantino, especially with like Django, Hateful Eight, Inglourious Bastards, and movies like those, is that Tarantino, his movies and his, and his, and his writing is so good because from the get-go, he tells you, these are bad people. I'm not writing about good people. Or these people, they're all horrible people. <laughs> so yeah. when you see them doing the most horrible things, you're not surprised by it. So then you concentrate in the conversations. You concentrate in the characters, which is kind of, which is kind of what's happening here. Right. Guys, go listen to the RRR discussion because that's where that Tarantino talk happened. For some reason, there was a lot of Tarantino and our rise, roar, revolt conversation. Which but... is the Tagulu film, which is amazing. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Um, now, we go to Kansas City. And Kansas City. Yes, not Pittsburgh. We go to Kansas City yeah. and we see a blockade. Now, I got to say it. This happens in the game. Brett, when you saw this, how excited were you? Like, okay, this is happening. And, and the fact that, like, for example, if anybody was asking Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason to play the hits, buddy, they're playing the hits. Yeah. They're playing the hits on this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I love I love seeing that stuff, and it it works. It works. It works. It 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 did what it needed to do. It made them go through a detour. It made them run into you know, uh, you know, trouble. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I love I love the, this uh, stuff. You know, for it's for that's for us, right? That's for us right. who have played the game, right. and, and uh, you know, not maybe not for me who only played it once, but for sickos <laughs> like you who just keep playing it over yes. and over again. Yeah. Um, like to torture yourself emotionally. Uh, no yeah. Bad about it's, it. I'm ready to get hurt again. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, yes. it's for us. Well, yeah, man, it's, it, it's cool. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter that it's not Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it's still, you know, serves, serves the purpose. So. Yep. 100%. Can, can we just, you know, this is me being a nerd for a second. Can we just acknowledge <laughs> that the, that the last of us version of Kansas looks more like gotham city than it than the nolan trilogy ever did like i just think that's hilarious like come on so what are you saying is that the entrance to arkham city is that what you're trying to say yes you know like you get through this this tall building up here is clearly just going to be like wayne enterprises or whatever and like the further you go you get down the windy road up to arkham it's just nope. funny because yeah, nolan went nolan went to chicago with it and it was just like modern chicago city chicago <laughs> As somebody in the Midwest, it looks better than Chicago half the time anyway. So it's like, right. <laughs> you should just did normal Chicago then. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so we arrive to this place. We find this guy saying, help me. And because of the thing, and I love how the subtext of the dialogue, because that's the beauty of this writing, right? There's so much subtext. Like, like Joel doesn't say much, but he's saying a lot. Like in the com things we needed to do to survive and stuff like that. So when he sees this guy and sees that he says, help me, he doesn't question it. 
He already yeah. knows what's happening. I know your tricks. <laughs> yep. Yep. And he and he goes, put your seatbelt on. Which, by the way, now Ellie knows what a seatbelt is. Um, yes. So it's her second day in her car. Um, and literally, gun, brick, crash. Yep. Just like the game. They have to get out. Um, I love how even though it's almost a beat for beat, the action made sense. It didn't feel yeah. like it, it was like it was the right amount of antagonists. You only had like three people, right? He takes one with the with the rifle and he plays the game move. Ellie hides inside the wall. He hides and he catches the other one by surprise. And that's how he wins. But right. because this world is like that, he then gets surprised. Yep. And I love the sorry. Go. I love the parallel though from the first episode. Because you know, when it's Joel, Tommy, and yes. Sarah driving, people are asking for help and he and he just keeps driving saying someone else will come. Now yep. he and Ellie are driving. It's just like, yeah, they're the actually the bad guys now. That's how far the world has fallen. But the moral of the story is if you need help. Do not trust Joel Miller. He will just drive on by <laughs> yeah. no matter what situation. Unless you're already in the car. If you're already in the car, he will die for you. <laughs> but right. if you're not in the car, just, just stay away. <laughs> yes. He ain't even hurt. Exactly. Yes. yes. But yeah, that um that first of all, that that little that sequence there was like for people that were like, episode three didn't have enough action. There was like a nice little amount of action in this. Yes. And you know, and and you know, it wasn't like the whole episode, but when it hit, it hit like that, that shootout was very, very tense. Um, you know, uh, when, when Joel gets blindsided, um, awesome shot of him. He turns around and just uppercuts the guy right in the face with the butt of the gun. And you see the gun go off like in the air. And I was like, Oh, that was a close one. And then, yeah, Joel almost, almost bites it before, you know, Ellie has to come in. And, uh, and then that whole, that whole sequence with that that guy like begging for his life was rough, man. That that was really rough. And then even more, especially when he makes Ellie when Ellie goes back behind the wall, and you just you you know, okay, Joel's gonna be a real bad guy right now. And the you guy's know what happens. guy's screaming for his mom. And Joel's like, you before that, I think you just see Joel pull the knife out, and then you just hear him scream for his mom, and then silence. And I was like, Oh, Joel's not a good guy, huh? <laughs> like, you know, like that's like a, a thing that I like that they really hammered home here that like, yeah, he's and, and that's like, you know, one of the things we talk about in episode zero with, um you know, one of the things with the game is that, oh, I'm the protagonist. So I need to stop all these guys. I'm yes. the good guy. I'm the protagonist. And, you know, the show is, is I like how they're really hammering it home and bringing those elements, you know, from the right. game into here to show you that, like, yeah, he may be protecting Ellie, um, but he is not a good guy, man. Like, he he is not. He's and, and listen, this is a guy that's been, you know, unfortunately, for 20 years doing this shit. So this is regular for him now. I mean, right. uh, you know, they have a great talk later in the episode. It's, it's not that it gets any easier, but like this is this is like a normal occurrence now. And it's just like, uh, you know, can't leave anybody hanging around. Right. There's no such thing as crossing a line anymore. It's yeah. just it's easy. Either I do it or yeah, you know, I get done. Right. Like it's killer. It's killer be killed. Right. It's a, that's it. And uh, but yeah, that that was like that was actually rough. That was a rough scene to watch and listen to. Like it. Uh, it was. It was 
shot and done very well. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, and acted very well. And it was, it was like disturbing a little bit. I'll, I'll say it. It was like, definitely. I was like, oof. Like I literally, like, I think I literally did that, like, to my wife, like, after that, I went, whew, like, I did, like, a deep exhale, because it was, like, oh, it's, rough. it's so yeah. disturbing, because he make the, like, the kid makes a point to say, I can't move my legs, so, like, he was, it's not like he was gonna run away, or yeah. get help, or report it, yeah, like, it looks like when Ellie shot him, it looks like when Ellie, were in the location where Ellie shot him, yeah. Lower back, probably bu- exactly, probably busted his spine. They or did something. the X Men First Class. Yes, Magneto and McAvoy. Whoop! Yeah, right into the spine. I my legs. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, it's like, and so it's like, if he wasn't either, he bleeds out, or somebody eventually finds him and helps him. Joel had no reason to kill that guy, you know, because yeah. so it really just kind of hammers home that Joel needlessly murdered this kid out of rage or he he thought he was protecting ellie or whatever like frustration yeah. it didn't need to happen and this is one of the the second time like you were saying brett like he didn't have to like beat the guard to death like once he's yeah. knocked out you were already leaving the qz you did not right. have to kill him and yeah. so i, mean, like, I guess the guy could have identified them and been like ah it's an older guy in a brown jacket and a young girl maybe that but like yeah he, he he's not joel don't take chances it's just <laughs> you're done sorry man yeah yeah and, and it's fascinating because um there's a note from the podcast um with neil and craig and, and one of the things that they talk about is that part of the frustration that he has at that moment especially as he goes into the conversation with ellie and yeah. afterwards right is the fact that he failed to protect ellie again yeah and and so he's constantly dealing with that because his drive his purpose is to like bill said to frank like you have been my purpose um joel's purpose is to protect those around him and he keeps failing at that he's yeah. not that good at that so so these are the kind of moments where those you can see this keep eating away at him because he needs to take charge and the way he takes charge is like in the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, so I, I find it fascinating, especially like this is another tour de four in terms of acting with Bella as well, because that whole sequence, I mean, she's scared shitless, right? Everything, all this is happening. Yeah. She's and shut, she goes like, you know? and in the minute and, and for a second, she thinks, Oh wait, I have a gun. But then after she gets there, fear takes over. And when she pulls the trigger and sees what she's done, she's broken. You can see her like break apart, but because of how vicious the moment was and because of how much she's looking to connect with Joel, when she goes back to the other side of the wall, she's just wiping her tears and just like, okay, I gotta pretend like I gotta, I gotta keep on, yeah. I gotta keep going. And, and what a horrible place. Like what a horrible world to grow up in. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 crazy. Um, last little tip before we move on, because we have two big characters that we have to talk about. We have to talk about. Um I got Last of Us part two vibes, and I got a little there's a little bit of that in part one, actually not as detailed, but did you guys notice how all the people that were fighting them were go were screaming people's names? Yeah. And and, and, and yeah. that's like if you hear a gun, if there's a gun, a gun, like a, 
a gunsling battle or the, people shooting, there's an war going on, you take it as regular action, right? But there's an effect psychologically, emotionally. When you hear someone's name, right? Like it just hits you different. Yeah, they're not cannon fodder anymore. You right. know, and uh, right. yeah, like even like, yeah, the, the, the before uh, Joel killed that kid, he went, I'm Brian. I'm Bri like, you know, like that's like a, a thing. Like just I, I'm trying to level with you on a human level. Right. I'm another human, please. Like, you know, and it's yeah. And that was like a big development that they did in, in the games for part two is like, right. They wanted to make you really feel bad about all the violence you were committing. Um, yes. Yeah. It's so, like the anti-violence gun game. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's I crazy. mean, it makes sense. They don't even give you ammo in that game, if we're going to be real. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think they give you ammo in any of the games. <laughs> no, but no, yeah. I also think it's interesting, like, Joel could have just shot the guy because they were already in a shootout, but, like, he made the most brutal, violent act he could have. And Which you on one hand, think he saved Gotta conserve ammo. those bullets. Gotta conserve yeah, I know, those bullets. You mean those, 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 it's those Resident Evil. Shells? Gotta, you the gotta shells? shoot in the knee and then knife swipe the head a million times. <laughs> save those yep. bullets for the boss. <laughs> I mean, good thing too, because uh, he's got a bloater coming up very yeah, soon. I was gonna like, say, I think he's, he's conserving ammo for the bloater encounter. <laughs> That'd be crazy if he's like, he takes the bloater out. He's like, I had one bullet left. It's like, Oh, well, yeah, that, that made sense. Yeah. But uh, G Tech, he says, Joel, I'm bad at this. Ellie, yeah, you really are. Yo, her gosh. attitude has no limits, not and at all. And that's why she's Ellie. Like, it's <laughs> just because of that. Um, now we met the hunters, like, this is typically an adaptation of the hunters arc of the game. Um, but we have two new characters, they're original to the show. They've made the decision to create the character of Kathleen that's played by Melanie Linsky, which is phenomenal as Kathleen. Um, what a great it's and I find it so interesting how she's she has a lot of qualities that Joel has. Like she has like this broken intensity in everything that she does, which I find interesting and phenomenal makes you a very interesting character and we've only been with her for what like maybe 10 minutes yeah and i'm already i'm very interested and in, invested in her and then you have perry which is played by the voice actor of tommy in the game which it's so cool and it makes me and it, and it, and it makes me think about it too because when you see gabriel luna in the first episode he sounds like tommy and now yeah. we're seeing Tommy that sounds like Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, it's actually pretty cool. But yeah. when you guys saw the introduction to, of Kathleen, what what were your thoughts when you first saw her? Go, Brad. No, I mean, I, I, I like uh, the actress. Um, I, it's funny. I, I, like, like two weeks ago, I just watched this movie. Um, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Uh, it's her and Elijah Wood. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think oh, it's nice. on Netflix. A uh, little indie film, uh, you know, cool, cool little, uh, little, little um, movie. I enjoyed it. So yeah, and I, I've seen she's popped up in like a bunch of stuff recently. I'm trying to think what else. I've seen her in like a lot of stuff. I feel like she's she's one of those actors. You're like, oh, I know her. She's one of those. She's one of those. People. I don't know who you are, but I know you. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know her name really until like honestly like last night, like her actual name. But I'm like, I see her in everything. She's one of those actors that pops up. Yeah, she's great. I mean, uh, yeah, she's she's a. Uh, you know that that's one of those things. Okay, like, hey, these are new characters, but like 
yeah, I totally believe they exist in this world. And, you know, I guess while we're talking about these characters and them replacing the hunters, um, I thought this was a really cool, uh, you know, like a neat angle, right? Like, you know, this, this yeah. Q, this, this uh, area that was a Fedra QZ where, you know, she end, ends up being their trusted leader and like successfully, like, you know, um, uh, raised the rebellion and, and got Fedra out of there. And like, they, you know, they, she, she kind of like cockily, I, actually that might've been in the preview for the next episode, but she's like, you know, we're free. <laughs> like, yeah. so, so, you know, free, angry? whatever that means in this world, but, um, yeah. She's the Cassian Andor of the last of us. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, like the intensity and everything that she does. Um, I, I like the, I love how she is the type, she, she is the type of character that has built this confidence and rapport with everybody. Because as soon as she gets in that soapbox, everybody's just, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, and uh, um, I also like Perry's character. You know, it's like the yeah. right hand. But I love how he is like, he follows her because she knows she's in charge. But he also kind of like, don't necessarily agree with everything she's doing. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I like that dual side of things because it makes it a lot more grounded. And also, like with the with the hunters arc in the game, like you're just passing through, and so you really don't deal with the group as if the group was a problem. They're just an obstacle to you move forward. So right. I love how you're giving identity to the group. You're giving identity to why they did what they did. So I, I do find that very interesting and very powerful. Right, so they're not just a they're... combat encounter. You know, exactly. like they're actually like, you know. Exactly. Um, now, the interesting thing about all this is that they're looking for someone. Mike, who are they looking for? Uh, they're looking for two characters named Henry and Sam, and I'm not entirely sure what their whole deal is. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it's a very clever way to, to tie these these stories together right because since these are original characters we don't know what's going to happen like we, we have an idea of what the end result might be but like the next episode or two the journey to that point is going to be a really fascinating watch and i just want to address uh g techie's comment here because i thought it was interesting talking about uh melanie's performance uh the comment says i'm sorry but i did not buy kathleen's performance she sounds too wholesome and soccer mom-ish to be badass Seems as though she bakes muffins all the time. And, like, I think that's part of the... And they're probably good muffins, too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can't eat muffins anymore because, you know, but... Damn it, um... Wall Street Journal. <laughs> but um, I think that's kind of the point, right? It's not that she is this hardened, cold person like Joel has become or even has Tess has, had become. Right. I think she's just a really strong leader and her mom like qualities are probably what keeps that group together. Yeah. You know? And so I, I think she's a very different type of threat and antagonist for Joel to go up against. And so that to me is the most fascinating part about it is that she, it, she does still have that, that wholesomeness quality to her, even though she's clearly dealing with something with her brother and this, this doctor that we're meeting for the first time. And even when she pulls the gun out, it doesn't seem like she really wanted to go that far. But once she got to that point, her entire demeanor changed. Like, this is what I have to do. 
Right. Yeah. It's like she was chosen, you know, like maybe before everything went to shit, she was a soccer mom, you know, yeah. like, so right. to speak, like, like, like she, she was kind of like, um, and I think that kind of, kind of what it shows, um, cause G tech, I have to say, like, I think when I first saw her on screen, like the first scene or two, I was kind of feeling that way as well. Um, and having mm -hmm. seen other performances of hers, it was kind of like, I was getting that vibe too. But then by the end of the episode, like I got it, but it's like, yeah, she's this person that was, you know, like you said, maybe a soccer mom, but was chosen by circumstance. And I like that take. Cause like, I mean, how many times have I seen the hardened badass leader? You know what I mean? We have, we have enough of that, you know, um, we didn't need like another test, you know, we had tests, right. we had tests, she's gone. Right. So I think to, yes, yeah, see something and. I'm curious and, and kind of like you see that she's obviously gained the respect of the people she's with and she clearly has the respect of uh, Perry who looks like he was probably like ex-military or something like that. He seems of pretty course. like he knows what he's doing. He's you know probably I mean? the so, guy from Fedra that she turned. Yeah, yeah maybe, you know, like, but he, right. he's, he's the guy that can really be the enforcer and she can, it's kind of like good cop, bad cop. So I think like as a duo, I think that's what you need to watch out for. So maybe if you're not intimidated by Kathleen, you don't buy it, buy it. Um, you know, I think her and Perry together might be uh, something a little, a little dangerous, a little spooky, you know, for uh, our protagonist to encounter. But uh, no, good, good call, Jiteki. But uh, yeah, like I, I like to always, yeah. I'm, I'm a very much a benefit of the doubt person. So as a first intro, let's, let's see, you know, how, uh, how, you know, the characters uh, turn out by the end of this like part of the arc, you know? Yeah, and I think also the whole the whole the whole point of a character like Kathleen, especially, I think it works to the advantage that it go it co she comes off like Detecky says, like the soccer mom, right? Because yeah. I think the whole point of that type of character is this is how dark this world can make you. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I don't want to be this person, but I have to be this person. Right, right. Because for example, from the first episode. On Outbreak Night, we already know what Joel's capable of. If he's going to need to protect someone, he took that Grammy down, like, quick with that rich. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to do what needs to be done. It's not something that he grows into. It's something that he's now feeding because the world requires it. But right. she has grown into this dark side of her that maybe nobody sees how cold and calculating she can be. Because you also get a little bit of the politician side of her when we discover what Perry shows us. Yeah. Because she literally says, Perry says, when are we going to tell the others? And she goes, we're not going to tell them anything yet. And he literally goes, she literally, he literally goes, bruh. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like, like we need to, like, and she goes, no, we're going to handle what we can handle. And And that's literally her dark side too. Like, it's not just like, it's not that she's scared of it necessarily, but she's afraid of how people are going to react because she's created this safe haven. But now we have something underneath. When you guys saw that, that was to me the biggest surprise. And I love the fact that I am a, a huge fan of the game. I know what the story is. This is not in the game. And it just blew my mind. Brett, when you saw this thing and how it was going, like, yeah. what was your reaction? I was thinking, trust the fungus. Oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was, uh, but no, it, that was interesting. I was like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, oh, I'm like, 
is this a sinkhole with a bunch of fungus underneath it? And I, I think that's probably what it is. It's like something, something it's uh, is rotting underneath there. You know, it's crazy. I, I, Mike, when you first saw that, whenever it was, what yeah. was your reaction when you saw that? Uh, my first reaction. <laughs> Hold on, I just got a G-Techie says I was thinking Rat King. Hoping. <laughs> oh, that's that. I'm not going to comment on that. We got to save that for later. But <laughs> I, I, I feel you, Detecky. I feel you. Yeah. Maybe it was a, if it was a hospital. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, when I first saw that, I like for me, I had a really weird experience because, uh, you know, I had to I had to binge this thing to get the review up. So it's kind of interesting talking to you guys and experiencing it each episode week to week. This is why I hate like the binge model because episodes don't get to breathe. They kind of get muddled together. So yes. like I had this answered for me very quickly. So I didn't give it too much thought initially, but see, seeing how it's set up, these are my favorite parts of the show. It's when they do something different. They introduce new right. ideas and new concepts because it, for me, it was very much like, okay, well, that happens. That happens. They did this thing. They did that thing. That's cool. That's great. But this episode for me, along with, you know, the previous one with Bill and Frank, it's really where I got to sit down and I was like glued to my screen because like, okay, this is what I'm invested in. So this entire subplot is very interesting and new and the preview alone shows where this might be going. But I really love that we got two new characters and we got to introduce new concepts in the world of the last of us because the world is bigger than joel and ellie and i appreciate yes. that the show is focusing on that because when we get to the last of us part two no spoilers but they make sure they hammer home that the world is bigger than just joel and ellie and so i think it's going to help going forward as well just like showing us different characters different storylines and how across the country they're going to see different scenarios as they move along on their journey I love that you mentioned the whole thing about it's bigger than Jonelli because because the brilliance of it in the writing is that the best expansion of a world is when you're able to make it feel bigger without losing the thread that drew people in to begin with. Yeah. And that is yeah. I think this show's biggest achievement so far. Because we came here, we arrived because of Jonelli. But we're staying for everything else that they're doing to make that relationship feel that much richer and this world to feel that much richer. And moments like this are like, it, this is it. Yeah. They're doing the thing. Yes. Excitement level. <gasps> so high. <laughs> like, yes. Yep. Dear James you... Gunn, stop putting your Superman stuff everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Superman Legacy's coming out. Slow down, man. Slow I, down. I get that reference. I get that yes. reference. Um, I love the idea of Henry and Sam being around. Um, I love how... I think we should talk about it now. We find them at the end of the episode. Um, so good. Literally, like, waking up Joel and Ellie at gunpoint. So, We've got to back up, though. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to close with Joel and Ellie. That's what I was thinking. We could do that, but I, I kind of want to talk about this now. <laughs> I just love okay, go, go, go. how resourceful Joel thinks he is, 
right? Like he gets all of the glass. That's and, and old man. Like, yeah, it's just like, what are you doing? He's like, says we want he and he explains it like like she's a child, like she's five. We want to be able to hear them if yeah. someone breaks and, in. And she goes, oh, crunch, crunch. Yeah, we oh, crunch. I yeah, and it's just like, okay, that's cute. I love how the relationship's evolving. Um, yes. But I also just love the small detail of Ellie just makes offhanded comment about his hearing. He goes to sleep on one side, wakes up on the other side, which is why he didn't hear them enter. Yep. And it's like, oh, that's so subtle, but so genius. Right. <laughs> So, I'm glad. Go ahead, Brett. No, I was gonna say, um, yeah, that that was a great little detail. I thought that was awesome. Um, one thing, and I'll be a little nitpicky, and maybe they address this in the next episode. But I was just like, they just walked up this like abandoned building up to like what the thirty third floor, and I'm like, really, what are the odds? Henry and Sam dropped it on them and and got in there without having to go through that door and and get past the crunch, crunch, crunch. Unless they did, and like you said, Joel just didn't hear them crunching on it. Or um, I think in one of the shots, it looks like there's like an open window behind them. I could be misremembering. When I think you first see Henry, it looks like the window is like open. So, but I'm just like, that's a that's a pretty lucky that you stumbled upon them on the 33rd floor. But I'm being nitpicky. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling based on how <laughs> smart they've been so far. Yeah. If you remember the game. Henry and Sam are holed up in an office building. Right. So, and when they meet Henry and Sam, it's because they stumble onto their hideout. Right. So what? So the so the only logical explanation would be is that they were already there, like in a separate room. Right. And maybe Henry just waited till they slept, and that's when he made. Yeah, they could have heard them, you know, because Ellie won't shut up. So there's a yeah, chance if they were already in there, they could have heard them coming up. Right. right maybe. Right. But it's like in this huge city, and then there's like a building that <laughs> yeah, has forty true. plus floors. I'm just like, oh, all right, it's very convenient. But like, I don't know. May- maybe they do address it in a further episode. I'm not going to be that guy, but I just wanted to bring that up a little bit. <laughs> now, now this is the moment where I wanted to get because it also this is the moment that kind of explains, I think, to a degree, why Joel slept on his other side. Because you got to think about this. The most of the times where you go to sleep and you wake up in a completely different position, you're either sleeping really bad or you're sleeping so good that you're just somewhere else, right? Right. And this shot to me was very important because this is the first time we see Joel smiling. This is the first time that we see Joel laughing. And it's because of Ellie. The idea that without him noticing, he's opening up himself to Ellie and he's opening opening up himself to feel alive. And it's 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 so powerful. And the idea that he laughed so hard and had such a good time for that second that he was able to sleep soundly. Yeah. But that's what causes him to fail to protect her, which is like. Yeah, it's go. No, it it lulled him into like a sense of like safety. Yeah, you know, I think. Well, also he's probably exhausted, as we saw him. Like he did not sleep the night before. He was up right. guarding the forest all night. Right, and then they just did thirty three floors. <laughs> like, thirty. And yeah. also he was involved in like almost dying. You know, earlier that day. <laughs> like he's yeah. had a long day. 
So I think he's just, he's just wiped, you know, but um, I think there is like a sense of maybe security or safety that he's starting to feel with Ellie, even, you know, like there is that, you know, sense of, uh, you know, dare I say like family or like, you know, um, but we get, we get to see the Joel that we saw in the first episode a little bit kind of peek out exactly you know, how he exactly. was with his daughter. Um, so yeah. yeah, again, like just the, you know, the, the source material is so good and they kept a lot of it and, and, uh, Pedro Pascal just just peeling back the layers on Joel. It's 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 great. Like what what four episodes in and like what three dimensional characters we have. You know, like just real. It's great. You know what I mean? It really it really is just an, an astounding astounding show. Yeah, uh, what I love about that moment though is that's the first time I think Joel has accepted you know what's going on and hit him opening up to Ellie, but yeah. subtly. <laughs> Top of the episode, he's already opening up to Ellie. Because remember when they first when they first start interacting, he's just like, rule number one is you do not talk about me or my past. We're not going to talk about any of that. And then they're in the car, and he's just going on and on about Tommy and how Tommy gets into trouble and how he's got to save him. It's like, Joel, what? Yeah, and Ellie calls him out. It's like, it's, 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 it's a long story. Is it longer than 25 hours? Right. Yeah. Like, Good point. <laughs> right. But Fair, it's like he... He would have nipped that in the in the bud like in two seconds in episode two. And right. so I just love how naturally over time he's been getting more and more open with her. Them talking about the coffee, them going having to fight the hunters. Smells like burnt shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which shit. is the most obscure reference to the video games I think any episode will ever have in this yeah. show. Because <laughs> like, right. it's an optional line of dialogue that most people probably didn't trigger, but anyway, right. <laughs> I, I just really love how we, we slowly see him open up, and Pedro does a fantastic job portraying that because yeah, you you literally slowly see him change over time, and it's fantastic. He's still playing the same character, but he's adding, like you were saying, Brett, he is a three dimensional character, and you start to see those small nuances in his performance as each episode goes on. Yeah, he could have just eat. They could have easily just had him been like, I'm gruff, grumpy guy. And he could have just been like really one note, you know, a lesser actor would play every line like that, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, someone like him, I think, uh, dude, just dude just has chops and he cares about <laughs> what he's doing, um, yeah. you know, and I think also like, uh, you know, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, I think they really do have a respect for the source material. Um, I think you could really tell that, that they really, and yeah. they know how much this means to people. Um, and they know how much they want that HBO money, you know? So yeah. I, I think yeah. that's <laughs> really what matters. Yeah. And the interesting <laughs> is like, is like they understand that it's a good story. Like the yeah. script is good, right? Like they know that they're doing something that's good. It's beyond whether or not it's game. Yeah. Like no, no. There's the a confidence. Just... There's a, a confidence yeah, in there. There's confidence in the material. There's from I think everyone, you know, everyone involved, from from the yep. you know the director to the cinematographer to the editing to the acting, uh, yeah. everything. Yeah, and uh, before we jump into our last part, which is our Easter eggs, right? Um, which we've spoken a lot about a lot of them already. Yeah. Um, one of the craziest things that we learned in this episode is, did you guys know that diarrhea is hereditary? <laughs> yeah, I hear it runs in your genes. 
so good and what a like what a sweet moment right like yeah it was such a sweet moment and, and his uh, reaction is like any of like all of our dads would have reacted to say yeah that's so stupid yeah so goddamn stupid and yeah but you just you laugh motherfucker oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's, yeah that's so good <laughs> so great now we meet Henry, we meet Sam, we go to a cliffhanger. Um, episode five, it's going to be huge, guys. Like, we're not going to show the preview here. If you haven't seen it, I have no idea what you're doing with your life, but it's okay. If you don't want to see it, that's fine. But it feels like it's, when it comes to action, when it comes to video game moments, it's going to be the biggest episode so far. Um, not only that, it was so big of an episode that HBO took pity on the Super Bowl and said, you know what, it's okay. We're not going to air it on Sunday. We're going to air it on Friday because, you know, we're not going to take eyes away from y'all. So that's how I feel. <laughs> but, guys, we're getting episode five on Friday. I'm very excited for it. And I want to take a moment to say this. Guys, um, next week is Valentine's week. So – a lot of us will be spending time with our significant others. So we will not be recording on Tuesday night, a regular night. We're just going to move it one day for that week. We're going to be recording on Wednesday, the 15th. That's going to be when we cover episode five. And then the week after, we just go back to a regular schedule of every Tuesday at 830, talking The Last of Us. But I'm excited for episode five, guys. It's It, it looks like it's going to be bloated, yeah. but exciting. <laughs> You know, I'm sitting here, and I'm, these aren't spoilers, but I'm just sitting here like, yeah, episode five is great. Episode seven is good, too. Episode, and I'm just like, you know what? Every episode from this point forward, it's just a masterpiece. We, You guys are going to love it. <laughs> I'm so excited. Our, I trust our resident mycologist because every single scientist that we've seen on this show has actually had good information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Horrible information, but good information yeah. nonetheless. Um, Trust their sources. Yes. Are you guys ready to go to our Easter egg section? Before sure we am. do, though, oh, I just want to address this question from G Techie. Do you predict Ellie killed Riley in the show? Which is why, you know, she says this was not her first time. I can't Ooh. say, so I'll let you guys go. Ooh. Um. So she, I... doesn't in, she doesn't in the game, though. Or at least we don't see that. Okay. Yeah, I that actually I have, also, I never played clearly video game spoiler, guys. Yeah, you know right. <laughs> because I know that so in Left Behind, you go to this mall with Ellie, with Ellie and Riley, right? And you spend time there. And at some point, um, it triggers a an encounter with a bunch of runners. Um, there's no clickers because Ellie's never seen a clicker until she's out with Joel. Right. So there's a bunch of runners in the mall, and both her and Riley get bit. Um and literally the way it closes is so we're gonna do the crazy thing. They literally they don't say it, but they go Thelma and Louise. Let's just wait it out and go crazy together. But what happens is is that Ellie doesn't go crazy. So we know that Riley turns. We just don't know what happens to Riley. But it it, it would be very interesting, G Techie, if and very heartbreaking if if that's what happens, especially with the type of relationship that Ellie has with Riley um, as we move forward into the episode 
spoilers again um, yeah. when we get to that moment because we do see teasers on the trailer that we're going to be seeing left behind on, on the season one. Right. So it's uh, – Yeah, I, I mean know. that's that's, that's – I'm, I'm thinking that that is the, totally the route they're going. I mean it makes Probably. sense like story-wise and that like, yeah, she had to like make a great sacrifice, you know. Right. Um you know, at that point when she wasn't turning and had to, you know, protect herself. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm almost like a hundred percent positive. That's where they're going. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Hey, they could totally flip it on its head. Um, we'll see. Yeah. So Easter egg time. Yeah. Hey, cool. Bill. It's gas siphon. At the end of the at the end of the chapter with Bill, the last conversation that Bill and Joel have, when he says, "Get out of my town, we're squared, we don't owe anything, anything," Bill throws a siphon to Joel and says, "You'd be surprised how many cars have gas in them." So that's definitely a Easter egg to the game. No pun intended. Volume two, T O O. Yeah. Um, by Will Willings, Will Livingston, um, is also in the game. That's the book of puns that she talks. Uh, all the puns that um, Ellie talks about. The magazine breaking, which is the male Playboy magazine. Yeah. <laughs> that belonged to Bill and was very sticky. That whole sequence. It's almost I did. Yeah. That, that's I'm yeah. just saying what she said, bro. Hey, you're right. You're right. Oh man. That whole sequence, that whole dialogue almost pervadum. It's in the game. And also, very particular, Ellie's in the back seat in that scene. So they even staged it perfectly. Right. Because there's moments in, in the in the game where she's in front or whatever, but they made it like it was just it's also again just reminiscent of Joel driving Sarah, and Sarah yes. would be in the back seat. Yes, and it's just like, oh, I yeah. see the I see the mirroring. I, I went to film school. I understand yeah. what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, I know you're cinematic parallels. <laughs> we already talked about that's a winter moment. Another moment that I loved, which is road trip Ellie. I'm not even tired. And then, <laughs> and I love the quick edit, yeah. and we see her just trash, like just asleep. That is literally edit directly from the game like yeah it's, it's great <laughs> how exact it's it's just freaking brilliant so freaking brilliant um the <laughs> blockade the ambush helped me that sequence fused with the hotel moment where ellie first shoots someone which i think this is very interesting so if people remember the hunter's arc uh there's a lot of traversal in this section Right. Because you're literally going through the city, you're going to different um, stores, you're going to different. You, the hotel is a big set piece, and I love how they did the same thing as in the Capitol building. Instead of Fedra, they did the pack of runners in episode two. Here, it's not water, but they're still choking Joel. So yeah. it's still like the same kind of scene. So that was right. Mwah, very interesting beat for beat did you guys cash cash catch <laughs> the pile of burnt bodies 
in an offshoot scene in the in the in the in the show. So as they're driving through the city, trying yes, to find yes. out where the QC, they, there's a shot where you see a pile of burnt bodies. That is an optional um, conversation with Ellie as you're traversing into the hunter's hideout. You see a pile of dead bodies just burned to a crisp, and Ellie literally goes, but these people weren't infected. Like, this is just regular people that was just... Yeah. It's... Yep. It's, the world is brutal, but that's like boom, boom, boom. I mean, dial, go. We we also saw like Joel do that in like what episode one in the when we flash forward. Yeah, he's taking yeah, the bodies and throwing yeah. bodies in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Um, I've been in both sides, that particular conversation. Um and then last but not least, Henry and Sam being hunted. Which because when we meet them, we know they're they're not in the game. They're not originally from Pittsburgh, where the game takes place. Right. Um. They're just traversing through, looking for supplies. But here, but and they're still being, they're still being hunted. Hence the hunter's arc. Um. They're still being hunted here, and then the fact that rebels took down the QZ and Fedra. Yep. Did I miss anything? Did you guys think of anything else that I maybe have missed? Uh, well, again, just Joel's coffee. I can finally explain that one a little bit in detail. Yes. It's such a weird Easter egg. Um, yes. So in the game, when you're in the hotel, yep, there is... Rivers a- Lake Coffee. That's the yeah. name of the place, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, so you're in the hotel, and there's, like, a weird optional, like, it's in a corner, like, coffee machine. And he just, Joel just stares at it and says, oh, I really miss coffee. So what's funny is that since this is the alternate timeline where Bill is a happy person <laughs> and he says, Joel, take all the supplies. Joel, makes sure he grabs coffee. Yes. And so coffee. Like, he grabs coffee. His coffee. Yes. And so it's just like, that is such a, that's a, such a niche, like minute detail that they did not have to do. Right. But it's funny. <laughs> it's I actually, healthy fan service. That's yeah. healthy fan service. That's how it looks like. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of coffee, um, when she makes when she says that line to him early in the episode, says it smells like shit. The second she says that, he immediately takes <laughs> he another just... squig and like slurps it, and it's great. And I just love, like, I love that. Those little yes. moments are so good. Yes, a hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent. I don't know, guys. I think that's a show. We've we've it's... done the thing. We've done the thing. I just have one question for you guys because uh, yes. we'll talk about it more in depth next week. Um, but how are we feeling about the age difference between Ellie and Sam? Yeah, wow, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I was like, I, I remember because again, uh, I'm I'm remembering back when I played the game, like whatever, eight years, seven, eight years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, Sam's uh, usually about her age in the game, and he's clearly yeah. much he's, younger. He's maybe a year younger. Or like yeah, one yeah. or two years younger. Here he's like what five years younger. If she's fourteen, yeah, he's pro- he's probably around like ten, I think. So yeah, yeah, nine or roughly. ten or something like that. Yeah. They're looking like. Which for children, that's a big deal. For us, it doesn't matter at, at the adult age. But you know, right. going no, from yeah, nine to fifteen is a big. Yeah. Yes. You know, I remember the conversation that when you meet Henry, and 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 Sam, she you see Sam talking to Ellie, and he talks like, "Oh, I'm this." old uh, and then henry goes oh really you're that old 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I do find it interesting also because I think I, I in the trades they mentioned that this version of Sam is deaf. So I do find that yeah, I saw, particularly well, interesting, and I, I'm waiting to see how that plays into. That was interesting. I remember well in in the pre right in the preview for the next episode, you do see a quick shot of Henry talking to Sam. Well, to, like, talking to Sam, but he's like signing to him or or making yeah. like motions to him. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't remember that. I'm like that was one thing that stuck out. I was like, I don't remember there being a deaf character. So yeah. that's interesting. That's gonna definitely um. I'm just like, <laughs> this is going to be so much more tragic then. I don't know. <laughs> he's younger and he's deaf. And I'm like, so you're going to just really, well, hey, listen, they could totally flip things on, on, on their head in this. I don't, I don't know like where they're going, but just off the bat, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be so much more tragic, isn't it? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> they're, they're going we don't the know. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, we've done the thing. We can't wait for episode five. Remember, we are back here next week wednesday the 15th at 8 30 p.m we are talking last of us here on beyond the clickers we'd love to hear your thoughts thank you for joining us for those that joined us through the show gtechie you're amazing appreciate your comments and your questions you're great uh for those that have been pumping up the show and watching on the re we've seen all the rewatches you guys are enjoying this so thank you for the love um brett if people wanted to find you and all the things you're up to or can they? That's right. Uh, Twitter at SuperBreckCon. And uh, you can find me also weekly. Uh, every Friday, we release an episode of the Fanboy Podcast. So you can find us on Twitter at the Fanboy Show. Um, and you can head to YouTube. And if you go to the Superman on Film channel, uh, you will find the Fanboy Podcast there as well. So if you want to watch the video version, otherwise, Fanboy Podcast and all your favorite podcast services, me and uh, my dear friend, Mario. Uh, covering all the the geeky news uh every week um a lot of dc stuff lately which is awesome but we cover dc marvel video games uh, and any uh, general action science fiction kind of stuff that uh, overlaps with uh you know the nerd uh the nerd sphere nice and i could say probably say this you can find me and mike and all things to chatter after talking movies talking to creators talking news and you can find us talking anime at the Amateur Otaku because that's what we do. Anything you want to drop here, Mike? Any announcement? Anything in particular? Well, you know, same old, same old stuff's happening here on the chatter after almost on a daily basis. Monday, we're going to be reacting to Super Bowl trailers, which is, you know, why The Last of Us episode is also being pushed to Wednesday and not happening on Monday. <laughs> so... We'll see how the Scarlet fan reacts to that Flash trailer first look thing. I am not watching it till <laughs> Monday. So it's going to be a genuine reaction. We might, we, maybe we'll do it live. If you guys want us to do it live, let us know. We can all do it together and experience it together. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's all we're, we're going to be doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so guys, thank you for joining us. You guys are awesome. We will see you on the next episode of Beyond the Clickers. And as the great savage Starlight would always say, endure. So, so survive. Peace. <laughs>